0: Hello, everybody.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Big Show, the largest show podcast that is recorded in our car, which we're in right now. We're coming back from the place we just been out there and did the my most minute amount of work possible. And visited my trees. And visited our trees. Ah, yes, the trees, the trees, the trees. Let's so gonna talk we're gonna talk about trees, because in the spring when the kings go off to war. That's an old quote.
0: Actually, before the kings because would go off, off to war. Because it's
1: not quite spring yet. But Spice's thought turns to her trees. What are we going to do? Are we going to What are we going to put in this year? What, what are our trees that we put in last year? What do they look like? Is everybody going to survive the winter? If not, what are we going to do? We're going to replant. We're going to be looking at... Uh, are we going to be looking at putting in more of the proper... Uh, trees so that they can pollinate each other, are we having pollination issues, How's how are the trees relating to the ground soil, all this kind of stuff. And so we're starting to think about trees. Now, why trees? Why, why do we focus so much on trees? Because they are the type of trees we're talking about, mostly, although not entirely because we're going to have an issue of trees that are going away. But that's a totally different thing, and we'll talk about both of these. The types of te- trees we're talking about putting in are food-growing trees, trees that will produce crops for us to eat, if times are good, or if times are bad.
0: And secondarily, they provide crops that wildlife also eat. Yes, which keeps our
1: wildlife population high. Which is the uh, second focus of our of our podcast today, which is talking about ridding ourselves of trees. Cutting down a bunch of our trees in our woods for the purpose of increasing the wildlife. The fewer trees, in a certain way, raise the population of the wildlife and give them a better habitat. So we're going to talk about that, Tim. But first, let's talk about uh, perennial trees—stuff that bears fruit every year. Well, we hope it does. Fruit
0: and right? nuts—I've got both planted out there.
1: Now we're we have we have the place, and we also have our in-town. Home. With a standard yard. With a standard yard. However, our yard is not your standard...
0: It's not standard issue anymore.
1: No, because it grows food. It grows food from its bushes. It grows food from its, from its garden. It grows food from its trees. It grows food everywhere. And we're slowly replacing our trees as the old ones die off with ones that produce food.
0: I'm still eating the fruit from last year's Apples and
1: peaches. And we're going to put in more apples, more peaches, maybe. And uh, so let's talk, about, let's talk about trees.
0: The right time to think about trees is before the sap starts to run. So before things really start greening up much in the spring, you want to decide what you're going to put in and where. So you look around and you see where you got a site. doesn't take a whole lot of room, not as much as you'd imagine, Because there are dwarf trees, for one, which don't grow more than 12 feet tall. And less if you prune them down every year. Then there are, if you have even less room than that, there are dwarf trees you can grow in a way called espalier. Uh, Not sure I'm getting that word right. I can't look it up right at the moment. Something close to that, anyway. It's where you make a sort of trellis right beside your tree. And as your tree puts out new branches, you wire the new branches to the trellis and prune off the ones that don't fit. So you make your tree grow in any shape you want. And it's fairly close to a two-dimensional tree because it's growing along the trellis. And you can put these guys in narrow spaces as well as short spaces. So even city dwellers can have fruit trees this way. And it makes it really easy to, to pick the fruit and stuff because it's all really close to the ground.
1: And it looks really kind of cool when you, when you do it right. I mean, you can make it look really neat.
0: Yeah. They're used as, uh, decorational landscaping in a lot of places, but you can still eat the fruit. There's no rule.
1: See, this is the thing that a lot of people miss out on, is the fact that you know I can't I can't grow this kind of trees because I'm in a I'm in a housing development that doesn't allow it, or I've got a, a homeowners association that that won't let me do. It. I would suspect that the homeowners association don't. Have rules banning things like apple and cherry and and trees that look ornamental because they've got beautiful flowers on them in good shade in good shape. Now, what they are going to have a problem with if you if you have a lot of deadfall, there's a lot of rotten stuff under your trees that they're going to have a problem with. So you'll need to control that. But as far as you, makes great there's compost, so by the way. many plants that are out there that are beautiful that you can plant. In a way, such as you would plant an ornamental, but it still grows fruit. See?
0: And it is an ornamental. And it is, it's is—it's not only food. It's very good, very cheap, easily made organic food.
1: And peach trees, for example, are just beautiful trees.
0: They are. And the fruit is so much better than you buy in a store. You would hardly credit it.
1: So, yeah, big, huge fan. Big, plant, huge
0: fan. Uh, Plant it once, which is work, don't get me wrong. It is.
1: And it takes planning and it's, there's some expense there. If you get good trees, there's expense, so.
0: But if you put in the major work once and a little bit of work every year taking care of the guy, you can get a enormous payback in food that's still there, even if times go bad.
1: And also you can, uh, even if you're in a, in a can't, can't collect your runoff area of of uh, socialist part of America, where you can't collect your water runoff, you can still direct your water runoff. So, yeah, we're not collecting it, but we're running it out our downspout and then over with a with a, uh, a, tube, hose. a pipe, yeah. uh, one of those uh, watering flexible, pipes, flexible flexible hose things, right over to your tree, and just leave the water in your tree. Leave the water. Uh, just water right up to your tree so it keeps your trees watered and you're not violating the rules.
0: Yeah, you can take the hose that's carrying the runoff and get one that's got uh, perforations in the bottom to leak the water out, circle it around your tree a few times on the way out to let it loose. Works perfectly well. We do that with our downspouts as well as directing some stuff to our rain
1: barrels. Okay, we're, i got to pause here just for a sec. We're back. You didn't even know where we went. <laughs> I'm a photographer, and I'm, I'm working on a on a project. Your way, clear. Okay, uh, I'm working on a project, and uh, so I'm working on it. And so uh, Saw target,
0: a, stop, shot, target.
1: Yeah, exactly. So anyway, pressing on Fruit trees. trees.
0: The time to think about putting them in the ground is before the sap starts to run. So mid-March is when I put a lot of mine in. So we talked about looking around. You can put the dwarf trees. You can do the espalier thing. Then if you've got more room, you can have semi-dwarfs or uh, full-size trees. And then nut trees tend to grow bigger than fruit trees. If you can't fit any of those guys, you can probably still find a fruit-bearing or food-bearing bushes that will fit. Blackberries, blueberries.
1: Strawberries, or not bushes, but uh, raspberries. Both in the spaces you've got available
0: and for decorative purposes, you can use them both ways. As long as you clean up after them, doubt anybody will care.
1: Right. now, we're, like I said, we're huge fans of perennials. And by perennials, we mean stuff that comes up every year without having to mess with it. And probably, you know, to me, a perennial, the more perennial stuff you can do, Plant once, grow many. The more food you get for the amount of effort you put in, and it's just great. Now, some of the stuff we we grow in the garden, of course, aren't perennials, but uh, and there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with growing ornamental stuff, but you can't eat it. And so, I'm a big big fan of pretty looking, beautiful looking, really tasty edible stuff. stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, but sometimes sometimes some ornamental stuff is really um. It's really nice to have. Like, for example, we have some daffodils. And they serve no practical purpose other than to raise our spirits because spring is coming when the daffodils come up.
0: They come up before everything
1: else. So, And you get you get green and then you get yellow flowers and it's just like... Sometimes out of the this, snow. Maybe this endless winter, you know. <laughs> yeah. Although this winter hasn't been nearly as bad as some of them. We've had some bad weather, but it hasn't been that... Endless, dreary. It's given us some chances. Like today, for example, it's in the 40s. The wind is blowing really hard, but it's in the 40s. Might even be. Well, let me check the. Yeah, it's 54. I'm checking the. Yeah. So.
0: So even if the you're dis- distracted for a year or two, your perennials will usually do all right without you. So something bad happens and you're distracted, you come back, you still have food coming in on that season every year. So very good for preppers and I think just good in general because it's it's high quality food that everybody can afford because you put in the cost once and it's there.
1: Now there are there are different ways of going about business. There are the first thing that that we have First way of going about business is going to the local big-box store and buying trees that they have sitting out in front of the big-box store. That's something we've never done. We thought about doing it a couple times just to see what would happen, see if we could buy one that worked. I mean, it it must work or they wouldn't be able to sell the stuff year after year, but we've never done it. Way number two is to find a good quality, and that's the key, local nursery. And we have an outstanding local nursery in our area that we shop a lot at. We buy a lot of our a lot of our stuff from from them, and you can get trees from them.
0: They have to rely on return sales, and they know it. So, and we've gotten a couple of trees stuff. from
1: them, as I recall.
0: Haven't yeah, we? but we just did them last year, so we don't yeah, have a long-term track record yeah. for them
1: yet. And uh, but they sell some of the national brands. They just bring them in and sell them, resell them. So, you know, for example, in our area, the, the gorilla in our area is Stark Brothers. Yeah. Because we're, we're actually not very far from Stark well, Brothers. Well,
0: we're right? not very far from Illinois because it's the next state over.
1: No, but it's not in Illinois, so <laughs> there
0: we are. Oh. Well, they grow a lot of their stuff in Illinois.
1: They do. They grow a lot of their stuff. Okay, I'm going to be digressive. Here's my digression. You ready <laughs> for it? They grow a lot of their stuff in the Atlas Bottom. In the Atlas Bottom. Okay. I know what an Atlas Bottom is. Doesn't everybody? Doesn't everybody know where Mm -hmm. the Atlas Bottom is? Stark Brothers has a large tree farm in the Atlas Bottom. It's between Louisiana, Missouri, and Atlas, Illinois. Now, Atlas, Illinois used to be a really, really big thing. A happening bird. It was a happening place. Atlas, Illinois, and then Rocheport, Illinois, which is just right up the, right up the, uh, The highway now, but it used to be right up the river because the river went through. uh, Atlas was on the riverfront. And where Stark Brothers has their nursery now is some of the prime farmland in this, in this nation. I mean, that, that Mississippi River bottom is just absolutely, absolutely amazing, amazing. If you, for anybody who knows about growing corn, okay, in most places, if you get 200 bushels, bushels an acre, you've done really well. I mean, Iowa it's, it's it's pretty average up there, but but if you can't get 240 bushels an acre in any year in the Atlas Bottom, you are a bad farmer. That's the kind of land it is, and you know pushing 300 corn. There's a beautiful bald, bald eagle, over eagle there. right over. And he's that fishing. Thawing he's lake. fishing. He's
0: frustrated because it's yeah. very little open water yet.
1: Yeah, the ice is there. Beautiful bird, though. This North Missouri is covered with bald eagles, in case you haven't figured that out. So they're beautiful, beautiful birds to watch. Anyway, so that's the Atlas bottom. And at the bottom, the Atlas isn't there anymore for two reasons. One, it was it was one of those river towns that sits at the bottom of a hill. And the river shifted away from it. Okay. And the other reason is they had a lot of disease problems as, you know, they were, they got hit really, really hard with yellow fever. They were a river town. And they had the problems with the, with the, you know, a river town. They had bad sanitations. They got into the sanitation issues. And they had a couple of really strong, like, cholera die-offs. And, and, you know, it was just a very unhealthy place to live. Now, if you were up the hi- Atlas Hill, which is about a two-mile-long grade, so the oldest house in Pike County is in Atlas. And also, there's an old gas station that sits there. It's been closed for 40 years. But the gas station sat there because of Model T's. Model T's have, have gravity-fed gas tanks, right? So if you go driving up a hill, unless you were completely full on your gas tank, your Model T would stop running about two-thirds of the way up Atlas Hill, and you'd just be driving back down. Driving back down it backwards,
0: so you either fill up at the top of the hill or you back up the. Atlas yeah, a lot hill of people.
1: Would, they didn't want to fill up the because he charged a lot of money. Um, and um,
0: so they'd I, back up the hill if they didn't want to stop and fill up. Digression over. Oh, I know, but I've got another. I've got another one. Got another one. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Okay, it's okay.
1: I've got another. one. It's, it's it, a great it, one. Though. It'll
0: pass. It'll.
1: Okay, go for it. Okay. International Falls, Minnesota. International Falls. And Bronco Nagurski was one of the greatest football players to ever play. He played for the Chicago Bears. He was uh, a linebacker. He was a running back. He played defensively. He played all kinds of positions. But Bronco Nagurski was a beast of a man. He was a huge, strong, strong man. Well, he retired. from He was also a professional wrestler, so he did that because he could make more money doing that than playing professional football. So anyway, Bronco Nagurski retired. He went back home. He was kind of up from the International Falls area, which is right up on the Canadian border. And so, But that's where he retired. And after he retired, he ran a gas station. And the story goes, now this is an apocryphal story. I'm sure it's not true, but it's a funny story. Uh, guy went came into town and said, I need to get some gas. Where can you get it? He said, well, you can get it a couple places. You can get it over there. You can get it over there Bronco Nagurski's. Most people go to Bronco Nagurski around here. You know, so why is that? Is he cheaper? He said, nah, Bronco charges two cents more a gallon. And, oh, okay. Is is he, like, is ridiculously nice service? like, nah, Bronco's kind of grouchy. Nobody really likes him that much. Well, then, why in the world would I go to Bronco Nagurski's gas station? Well, he gets a lot of repeat customers, because once Bronco Nagurski puts your gas cap on, nobody but Bronco Nagurski can get it back off. <laughs> okay, sorry. That's the... Oh, joke. Anyway, back to the trees. <laughs> back to the
0: trees. Uh, we were somewhere on trees. Yeah. Oh, we get a lot of ours. Order ours from Stark Brothers Nurseries, where I have ordered most of mine because I did two really big plantings, and they would ship them all at once and not charge me any shipping on them because that's expensive on trees. Because yeah. I was getting buying so much at a time,
1: and they're It works. You know, they have a you know, live tree guarantee. If and it dies just,
0: for any reason yeah, for in the any first reason. year, including the next spring when it's supposed to wake up, they replace it for free. And, and they have done that a couple of that. times with no trouble on uh, trees I've had die because not all of them make it, guys. In the wild, that's part of the thing, part of the reason we need to thin out uh, our woods at the place is the natural thing is you make a zillion acorns. Out of those zillion acorns, a 100,000 little seedlings sprout. And out of those 100,000 seedlings, you need about 10 adult mature trees to uh, keep the forest going the way the forest is going to go. So most of them are going to die, and most of them need to die to make the forest a healthy place. So that's the way it is with trees. Some trees die. Uh, Had pretty good, more than 50% success rate, well over 50% success rate. So doing pretty good. So you think about your site, how much room you got, You think about make sure it's someplace that's going to get at at least several hours of full sun a day because most of the fruit and nut trees want that. You look at the soil. Is it a lot of clay? Is it a lot of sand? Make sure there's no pipes or electric wires or anything you're going to dig into when you start digging the hole.
1: Oh, yeah. You definitely need to call that. Call that number. You know That's that? a Missouri thing,
0: but, but in just, Missouri, everybody needs to call that yeah. number.
1: You know, everybody's everybody states got one. Find out the the digging number. One hundred dig right. R I T E is the number in Missouri. It's not such a critical thing for us out where we are because there's never been electrical services there ever or any kind of service. At the place, at the place, there's just never been anything there. Yeah, I, I didn't but call at the, the place. Along the road, yes. But we know now where they are because we called, And but I, we know where they are. I so asked the don't. cows
0: who used to live in our place. They never had electricity there. so <laughs> Yeah, no electricity, uh, <laughs> no
1: plumbing, no nothing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been
1: basically a forest.
0: But in town. We call before we dig. But, yeah,
1: we absolutely call before we dig in town. because You've got to give you, it
0: about a week's lead time for all their utilities to report back.
1: Yeah, and they've got... Uh, the only time we don't do it is like when we're putting it in the same hole we put it last time. Yeah, but
0: nobody's put an electric wire since I planted
1: the first tree. Okay. And sometimes they die, and you have to you have to realize that sometimes they die. They make it, make it a year or two, and it just isn't working. You know, we've had less le- less luck with nut trees than we have probably anything else. Our nut trees tend to not be. Now the the place has really clay soil, so there's you know there's not much you can do about that. You can you can an- ameliorate it right at the hole. But it's... And
0: I do. But the roots of a tree go a very long way.
1: So if you can get them going, you know. And also you can tell sometimes where has the better soil because you put in three trees and two trees do pretty well and the other tree just doesn't make it. Uh, Or is growing a lot slower. And then you plant and it dies in the
0: same place and you're like, okay, that's not a good spot. Right. Or put a different type of rooted tree in there entirely. Like something with shallower roots. So, So...
1: what what she's doing.
0: Think about the ground.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, then think about what varieties you want. First, you look for varieties that will work in your climate. You've all got a climate zone, and if you Google climate zone for gardening, it's cake to find out what zone you're in. I try and go for trees that are comfortable. My, my zone is basically the middle of their comfort zone because we're going to have really cold years. We're going to have really dry years, and those are the two things that will kill them. So... Try to go for trees that are, I'm in the middle of their comfort zone, so whichever way the extremity goes, I got a good shot at them surviving. When you're going for fruit trees and nut trees, by the way, you got to be careful about whether or not they need pollinators to set fruit, because a lot of these trees are hybrids. Many varieties will not self-fertilize, so if you plant you love Red Delicious apples and you plant six Red Delicious apples and nothing else, you're gonna get nothing. Because Red Delicious will not fertilize Red Delicious. And when you go to look at the trees, either read the labels on them if they're from a big box store, or look at the literature that comes with them if you're buying them online or something, or ask the people at the nursery and they'll show you what they got. Or There's lots of ways to find out if you know you need to look. What does it take to fertilize this guy? I personally go for self-fertilizing varieties whenever
1: possible. And you can do that easily with things like peaches. And sometimes, sometimes you kind of got to take one for the team. Yeah, and, uh, So, for example, a good way to take one for the team is planting one crab apple, for example.
0: Crab apples are the wild type of apples. They're not clones like all the commercial varieties of they, apples are. They don't
1: are. taste nearly as good. They're just not... They're small. They're bitter. But they fertilize, or they fertilize just about everything. Yeah.
0: Because they're and... the
1: ancestral stock. So... You, you put in one crab apple tree and you take the bullet on that. Well I mean you can use crab apples. They, they, they're things you can use them for. They're fine for some things. Cider, cider absolutely. Um, and you can make apple juice out of them if you sweeten it. Uh, but anyway, the, the crab apples they, they uh, fertilize everything pretty much. So
0: if you only have room for one tree, golden delicious is a very popular variety for a lot of reasons. It also tends to fertilize every dang thing, including itself.
1: So yeah, it's they're, they're basically the more only tasty.
0: good, fresh-eating apple I know of that is highly self-pollinating.
1: Now, the, the thing about uh, the crabapple, too, is not only are they self-pollinating, they're extremely rugged. Yeah. A lot of the rootstock that the trees are grafted onto is crabapple. Grap- the, you'll get the uh, Red Delicious will be grafted onto crabapple roots. So, because the roots are so hardy.
0: Yeah, a lot of the disease resistance and water resistance comes from the roots. Water stress resistance.
1: Yeah. And so, that's, I wonder if it's a, a different way of looking at hybrid vigor.
0: <laughs> it is. You're taking the hybrid from the rootstock and trying to get what you want from the top. It's a different approach. Yeah. Anyway. But, uh, I try and plan for multiple avenues because occasionally trees do die and i want these my orchards to still be producing apples in 40 years which i have a good shot at by the way so i have a crab apple i have a couple of golden delicious and the other varieties because i wanted a wide variety of apples that come ripe at different times and have different qualities and different storage characteristics planted a bunch of different types also less susceptible to a single disease if you have a bunch of different types so a bunch of different types, but everybody I put out there has at least three other members of my patch of trees that can fertilize it. So if one tree dies, I haven't lost the production of two or three trees.
1: Sounds good. Now, let's just give a brief minute on what we're exactly we're doing. We're saying we're cutting down trees. Why, are we, why exactly are we doing that?
0: Uh, sometime before... We came on the scene uh, probably 70 years before we came on the scene, at least 50. Somebody went out there and clear-cut the place and harvested the wood and dug a couple of test strips to see if they could easily get coal out of the ground because it's not hard in the county we're
1: in. And so, they came up a blank, blank on the, hole, the coal.
0: Yeah, no coal, but they did uh, take all the mature oak hickory forest and they just clear-cut and went on, as was the style back then. So the acorns and hickories that had been on the ground when the clear cutting happened, they sprouted up into the hundred thousand, you know, I don't know, however many per acre. Lots. lots and lots of tiny little seedlings per acre. And since then, every year there's a large number of trees dying off, as the remainders get bigger and stronger and outcompete them for the available resources. But because competition's so tight, none of these trees have are as strong and disease resistant as they could be and they don't have as much energy to make acorns for the wildlife as would like so what i'm doing with the help of a forester i had a forester come out there for a few hours and show me what i was doing you pick the best tree in an area of the sort that makes the best food for the wildlife the one you want to keep it's also got a really good high quality wood that you can make of not only furniture but barrels and stuff out of good quality wood good tree, long lifespan, this particular one is a fine specimen, and then you cut out everybody else. Uh The basic rule is if it's a 7-inch diameter tree, 7 times 2 is 14, that tree gets a 14-foot radius of ground all to itself, and all the lesser trees in that radius get cut down. You end up cutting down a heck of a lot of not as good trees and leaving a small number of better trees. You can just leave them lie there, or you can come and cut them up for firewood, as you wish. But either way, the forest gets a lot healthier. The acorn production gets a lot bigger. You get more underbrush that feeds wildlife, and the turkey and deer populations go way up.
1: And if you leave the woods there to to rot, it will rot, and that will feed the soil. Yep, keeps the soil nice and rich. So, there we are. Okay, I hope you enjoyed the podcast and start thinking about uh, trees and permaculture and and what you might be putting in. I'd like to challenge everybody to really stop and think about Wherever you are, you could probably put in a a food tree or two or some bushes that produce food this year and start your own. If you haven't already, start your own food production. If you can, (laughs) just
0: put in one. When you first start getting that food out of it, I got my first peaches off the some of the trees I put in uh, one or one or two years ago. Weren't you so you peaches that tree? came back? I was and the peaches are so good. And then the second year it made so many I'm still eating peaches out of the freezer from that one little tree.
1: And it's a little tree. It's about ten feet it's not even ten feet tall. It's seven, eight feet feet tall. Yeah. It's just a little guy. But there, there are just peaches all over that thing. Next <laughs> and problem the squirrels is doing it. Yeah we we're we're gonna net it next year so yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. A
0: little SOB was crawling up there and pulling my peaches off, taking seven bites, and going home.
1: Yeah. But you can cut around, but still. They weren't prime at the time. They were still hard. <laughs> you got to wait till they're ready to go. And, of course, we went on vacation. We were away for a week right when it was at prime. Yeah. So,
0: Still got a lot of peaches out of it. Good tree. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't so. take very many successes on your trees to make them all worth the effort.
1: Yes. We're going to hang it up here, and we'll talk to you next time.
0: Bye-bye.